As we said a moment ago, Luke in his gospel last week, he speaks about a unique day in the life of Jesus. Jesus had many unique days. But he said this day was unlike any other day. And on that day, Jesus spoke to the storm. He spoke peace in the midst of the storm and calmed the storm. Then they continued across the sea and and arrived and He met the Gadarean demonic and He set him free. Then a woman with the issue of blood reached out and touched the hem of His garment and she was made whole. Then He went to Jairus' daughter and she was dead with a sickness. And Jesus brought life to her. In one day, Jesus did all those things. And the message last week that the Lord stirred my heart was, we should expect unique and powerful days from the Lord in this coming year. That we shouldn't be satisfied with just the same old, same old. It's just another year. Say no to that. And say yes to unique and wonderful and powerful days from God. Well, today I want to continue in that. I want to look at Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29. It's the story of a little boy that's healed. And there's a powerful truth in this passage to help us understand how we can have unique and powerful, wonderful days in this new year. I'm going to read through the whole passage and then we'll go back and point out some important things. Verse 14 says, And when he came to the disciples, speaking of Jesus, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately, when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at, his, at, at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one one dead. So that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? 
So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it would come alive in our hearts. We pray for greater revelation in your word today. Lord, we don't want to have just another year. We want to have a unique year filled with days of your power and your glory. In Jesus' name. I want to go through this this morning because there's some powerful truths in here. If we're going to experience an awesome new year, then we need to have our hearts prepared. We need to be ready. We need to to do what we can do to see God move in our lives and through our lives. So let's begin again with verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. The scribes were the lawyers of the day. They were, they were not told what they were disputing or arguing over, but they were arguing with the disciples. Most likely, they were arguing about the fact that the disciples thought they had authority to cast out this demon from the boy, and this, but they couldn't do it, and so the scribes were most likely telling them they didn't have that authority. In church, we will encounter people in the new year that will tell us that we don't have the authority to operate in God's authority or power. But church, Jesus said you do. Amen? I'm not going to listen to the religious people that say that miracles don't take place today or that God doesn't heal or that God doesn't move in powerful ways. I'm going to listen to what the Word of God says and what Jesus said, and I'm going to claim the authority that Jesus says we have. Amen? In verse 17, jump down a few verses. Then one of the crowd answered him and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. That's that's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. When God's appointed disciples, followers, are not able to minister the love and the life of Jesus. In church, if we're going to see unique days and powerful days, we can't be like the disciples. I don't want, as a pastor, I don't want to come and and face a situation where someone's in need. They need a touch from Jesus. They need God to move. And I am not equipped and ready to be that vessel. I know in myself I'm nothing. I can't minister. They couldn't minister. But when Jesus gives you the authority, and when He tells you to go, and He tells you to minister, then you need to go and you need to minister. Amen? And that's my heart in this new year. Lord, I don't want to be like the disciples in this situation. Lord, reveal to me how I can be ready any instant to minister the love and the life of Jesus when I encounter someone who needs a touch from God. Amen? Now these these disciples had been given the authority in Mark Chapter 3, earlier in this book, Mark writes, And he went up on the mountain, speaking of Jesus, and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. 
Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Now I want you to think about that. Jesus had called them to him. And he tells them three things. The reason he called them, first of all, was that they might be with him. Church, this year, you need to determine in your heart, Jesus, I'm going to spend time in your presence. Amen? I'm going to spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, spend time in fasting. We need to be intimate with God. The Word that Mary received from the Lord, the Lord laid that on her heart to, to enter into the Holy of Holies. She didn't know what I was going to preach on today, but that's exactly what I'm talking about right now. It's coming close to God. It's, it's pursuing Him. Drawing close to Him. His Word says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. So church, let's determine in our hearts, this year I'm going to be closer to Jesus than I've ever been before. Amen? The second thing Jesus says, He says, he, he commissions them and gives them this authority that they may be sent out to preach. Church, preaching isn't just my job. It's not just Dr. Don or Harry, Pastor Rick or Mitch. It's not just our job. Preaching is the good news. It's sharing the good news that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You are called to share the good news. You may never formally be trained. You, know, you don't have to have that. You may never formally stand behind a public, pulpit and address a congregation, but you are still called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. This year, my heart is that we will go forward as a church, that we will share the good news of Jesus wherever we are. We may be under the golden arches of Mickey D. And somebody may need to hear the good news. Amen? We may be shopping at Target. And somebody needs to hear Jesus. Wherever we find ourselves this year, have it on your heart. God, I want to be a messenger of the good news of Jesus Christ. The third thing that the disciples were called to and given authority was that they might have authority to drive out demons. That's what Jesus said there. Church, we are called to, to walk in the authority to overcome evil in our day. Do you believe that? Greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. That's what the Word says. Amen? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's God's Spirit moving in our lives and through our lives. And church, those three things haven't changed for in the commission of God's people. Just like the twelve were commissioned in that, we have that same commission today. First of all, be with Jesus. Amen? Be with Jesus. Second of all, share the good news. And third, overcome the evil in our world. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 not only were they commissioned by Jesus, listen to this. It says, And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two 
and gave them power over unclean spirits. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So not only were the disciples commissioned, given this authority by the Lord, they began to operate in the power of God. They began to operate and bring the life-giving power of Jesus to their community. Amen? So why, if they were commissioned, why, if they had cast out demons and overcome the powers of hell in the past, why couldn't they do it again? That's what they were wondering. That's what they were thinking, asking Jesus, what's going on here? We've operated in your power, in your authority. What's changed? What, what has taken place that we couldn't help this young boy who needed help? We're going to look at it. In Mark chapter 9, verse 19, back in our text, Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Grammatically in this text, it doesn't specifically say who Jesus was speaking to. When he said the perverse or faithless generation, he doesn't say if he was talking to the crowd, to the scribes, or to the disciples. But because of the context, we know that at least the disciples were included in it. Personally, I think he was talking to all of them. I think he, he was talking about the scribes who were religious and, and weren't walking in that power of God. The crowd who was just coming to see a spectacle. And his disciples who had operated in the power of God but were now struggling in their faith. How long shall I stay with you, Jesus says. How long shall I stay with you? I don't know, but as I read that, I think that there was a, a part of Jesus there that was thinking, you know, I really am longing for heaven and my heavenly Father right now. <laughs> but one thing glorious in this text is Jesus never runs out of patience. Amen? Jesus never runs out of patience with you. He never runs out of patience with me. Even if we're struggling with doubt or fear or something else in our life, Jesus doesn't cast us out. He doesn't throw us away. He doesn't say, this is that. You've had your chance. He has patience for us. Amen? I'm thankful for that. Look at verse 20 and 22. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening? And he said, from childhood. And often he, was thrown, he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Confronted by Jesus the demonic stronghold in this boy's life begins to convulse him. It throws him down. He begins to foam at the mouth. He, he, you can tell he doesn't want to give up control. Church, the enemy desires to get a hold in our lives, and he desires to cling to that and never let it go. 
But the message here is Jesus is greater than any hold in our lives. Amen. Does anybody believe that today? Church, don't enter into a new year if there's anything of the enemy that he's holding on in your life. You say, well, pastor, I'm a Christian. I know Christians that have still had a stronghold of the enemy in their life. And I don't have the time to go into all that teaching, but if you struggle with believing that, come to me and I'll I'll explain it in Scripture to you. I met Christians who had a struggle with lying. I met Christians who had a struggle with anger or bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness in their life. They believed Jesus, but they were struggling with these things. And church, the message is, as we go into a new year, I am speaking freedom over our lives. Freedom in Jesus' name. That we're going to enter a new year without anger or bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness. We're going to enter a new year without any bondage in our lives. We're going to go forward in the freedom that Jesus paid for us on the cross. Amen? It's interesting that Jesus here asked the the Father, how long has this been happening? And the Father said, since childhood. And that's important for us to understand. Because the enemy will try to take a hold in our lives at as young an age as possible. And then his desire is to take hold and to continue to reinforce that hold in our lives as we grow and mature. And the way that he most commonly does that is through the lies of the enemy. He will lie to you and tell you at a very young age, you're never going to amount to anything. He'll tell you, you're, you're from, your, from authority figure, a mother, a father, a relative, a grandfather, grandmother, someone. They can even be a Christian, but they may get angry and they may speak something that isn't godly. And they may speak it over your life. And church, we need to be on guard. Those are lies from the enemy and we're not going to receive them in our lives. And if, and if anyone ever spoke any lies over your life, today is the day that God wants to set you free. Amen? If someone said you'll never amount to anything, you say, Jesus did. Amen? If, if, if someone spoke into your life and you have bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness, you need to give that to Jesus today and let Him bring freedom to your life. I want you to be honest today. If we're going to have a unique and powerful year in the Lord, then church, we need to be honest with ourselves and honest with the Lord. We need to say, Lord, if there's anything in my life where the enemy has lied to me and I've believed that lie, Lord, show me that lie, and today I want to give that lie to you and I want you to take it out of my life. It's interesting here that the text points out that from a very young age, the enemy had a hold in this child's life. But Jesus set him free on this day. Amen? Don't listen to the lies that say you're worthless. 
that say you're ugly, that say that no one likes you, the lies that, that uh, say you'll never amount to anything. Those lies go on and on and on. There's multitudes of lies. And you need to just say, Lord, expose those lies in my life and set me free. Don't allow the enemy to hinder you in any way. Now this boy's condition was not recent. And that's important, again, in another way. In other words, it wasn't something where, where the young boy just had a sickness and he got over it. It was something that had continued for years and now Jesus came and set him free. So the message there is, church, it doesn't matter how long that chronic condition has been in your life. Jesus is greater and today's the day He wants to set you free. Amen? Another thing we need to notice in verse 22 but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That's the Father speaking. Something happened. Because of the failure of the disciples to be able to minister to His Son, He came to Jesus with His Son, believing Jesus was going to heal Him. But because Jesus wasn't there, He approaches the disciples and He thinks the disciples are going to minister to His Son. But the disciples fail to minister and so now He, he begins to doubt Jesus. And the message there is, church, and I want you to get this, don't have your eyes on the ministers, keep your eyes on Jesus. If you've been hurt or wounded by a minister who has failed, who hasn't, who hasn't you know, been able to minister to you like you wanted, don't give up on Jesus. Don't doubt Jesus. Keep your eyes on Him and believe in Him. Amen? I know a lot of people that have been wounded through the years by ministers. And sadly, many of those people that have been wounded by a pastor or a minister of some kind. They get out of church and they just say there's nothing to that. Church, don't do that. Because ministers are human. Ministers will make mistakes. Ministers aren't perfect. Get your eyes off the ministers. All they are is a delivery boy. That's it. The authority, the power isn't in them. It's in Jesus. But don't throw away your relationship with Jesus and doubt Jesus because a minister has failed you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus says to the Father, this is interesting, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The Father is doubting. He said, if you can help, Jesus, please help. If you can. Doubt is, he's beginning to struggle with doubt. And Jesus says, it's not if I can help. It's not about me. It's about your faith. It's about your faith. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen? All things are possible to him who believes. I love that. 
Jesus points that out to him. But then the father is honest with Jesus and he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. (laughs) He's being real. He's being honest. And if all of us are real today, we will say that we all struggle with doubt from time to time, don't we? We get down. We get tired. Things happen in life and we just, that doubt attacks us and we struggle with it. We need to be just like the father. Lord, we need to confess our belief. There's power in our words. Lord, I believe and help my unbelief. Lord, I'm looking to you. Lord, give me that faith. Help me to believe for things that seem impossible. Jesus is not going to disappoint us. Look at verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. I love that. Jesus dealt with the enemy. But there's something else I want us to see there. Mark includes something that isn't in the other Gospels. The second part of that command is unique. Where Jesus commands the Spirit to come out, but then He commands Him and enter Him no more. You don't see that in other, other Gospels. And I believe that Jesus was just giving assurance to this Father who had seen His Son struggle with this since He was a, a child. For years He had struggled with this. And he probably there were times that he seemed to do better where, where he wouldn't fall down and he wouldn't be convulsing. He would seem and appear normal. But then all of a sudden, that stronghold of the enemy would take him down again. And so Jesus said, and don't come back. Church, when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Amen. The enemy can't come back when Jesus sets you free. He can't come back. And it it doesn't matter what it is. And that's why I struggle with some of the the programs that talk about substance abuse. Because they they say, well, you need to say, I'm always an alcoholic or I'm always a drug addict. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. When Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. The only way that's ever going to come back is if you willingly welcome it to come back. Because Jesus still gives us a free will. But when Jesus sets you free, you're free. Turn to somebody today and tell them you're free when Jesus sets you free. Look at verse 26 and 27. Then the Spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he began or he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. The demon here is crying out out of anger and frustration, showing his violent opposition to Jesus, but he's powerless when it comes to the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Church, we need to understand, some people have a misconception 
They think, well, here's God and he's powerful and here's Satan and he's just as powerful and they just war back and forth. That is a lie from the enemy. Satan was a created angel who rebelled against God. He fell in church. He has no power or authority anywhere near the creator of this universe, our God and our Savior and our Lord. So don't think the enemy has a chance because he doesn't. Amen? In the Great Commission, Jesus reminds us of his authority. In Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, All authority, everybody say all. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The reference is there. Jesus is saying, go therefore. Therefore ties us, ties our going in with what Jesus just said. When he said, all authority is mine. Now go therefore. He's saying, you're going in my authority. Amen? You're going and you're ministering in my ability in you, not your ability. You believe that? Back in our text in verse 28. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Why were the disciples powerless on behalf of ministering to this young boy? The, the disciples expressed this question out of deep concern. And anybody who loves Jesus and wants to minister the love of Jesus, church, any of us are going to have a deep desire saying, Lord, help me. I want to minister to people. And that was the heart of the disciples. They wanted to fulfill their mission, fulfill their call to do what God had called them to do. And Jesus answers powerful. He tells them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. The disciples had taken for granted the power and the authority that they were operating in. They may have even begun to think that the power and the authority was inerrant in them. And church is not. It's not about us. It's not about who we are. It's about spending time with Jesus. It's about being in His presence. They should have followed Christ's example. Jesus prayed all night sometimes. Jesus fasted. He led them and showed them how to live a life where God's presence and power is ministering through you. In John chapter 15, we have Jesus teaching concerning our relationship to Him. In John 15 and verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I, am, I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Everybody say that. Without Jesus I can do nothing. 
You can't take another step without Him. You can't take another breath without Him. You can't have another beat of your heart without Him. We can do nothing without Him. It all comes because of Him. Jesus speaks here in verse 7, If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Did you hear that? If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be My disciples. Jesus is speaking there of a spiritual principle. Little prayer equals little faith. Much prayer equals much faith. When you talk to Christians about the area of their life where they feel they they need the most help, it's usually their prayer walk. And it's because we're so busy We have so many responsibilities, so many things that we just have to take care of. And church, this text teaches us that even the 12 disciples that were walking with Jesus every day, that were in His presence and had His touch in their lives, living in the authority and the power of Jesus, when they didn't spend time in prayer and fasting, they weren't ready to minister to the world. And church, I'm praying to myself. I mean, I'm preaching to myself. Because this ain't going to be just another year. Amen? It's not going to be the same old, same old. It's not going to be the status quo. I believe God for great things, unique days, when the power of God is going to be manifested in my life and through my life, in our church and through our church. I'm believing this is a year God's going to do greater things in our lives than we've ever experienced before. But it's not going to happen unless we're willing to fast and pray. Our church traditionally starts a fast in the new year. Sometimes we call a three-day fast, sometimes a seven-day fast. I've asked the staff to join me at least in a seven-day fast. And a fast doesn't always have to be food. It's not one of those deals where you can say, well, I'm going to fast cauliflower. You can say, I'm going to fast social media. I'm going to fast TV. I'm going to fast the computer. Or I'm going to fast Rocky Road ice cream. But I I determined to start this year, and I challenge you to join us. It may be just for three days. You may feel like you're led to, to go on a food fast. That's fine. If you, a lot of you may have medical conditions where you can't do that. Then fast social media. Fast something that, that uh, consumes your life. And a fast isn't just setting it aside. Fast, listen to this church, fasting is not dieting. I know some Christians that say, I'm going to fast and lose 10 pounds. That's not the purpose of a fast. Are you with me? 
In fact, I want to end with a chapter 58 in Isaiah, and I'm going to tell you what God calls you to do in a fast, what He says His fasting will do in your life. Isaiah 58, verse 6. In this passage, God's rebuking the people that have been faithful in their prayer and their fasting, except their attitude wasn't right. They had become accustomed to just God blessing them, and it had become a routine. It had become just a spiritual tradition in their life. And so now, God's rebuking them. Listen to what He says. He says, This is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. <laughs> God says, the fast that I have chosen is to break the power of evil. Amen? That's something worth fasting for. That's something worth fasting for. Because our nation is in a struggle right now, church. Evil is trying to conquer our nation. And, and I don't like to get into politics, but politics has become far greater than politics. It's good and it's evil. And I'm not saying any party. I'm saying there's corruption in our government and it's trying to be covered up instead of exposed and dealt with. The evidence is there. We need to fast and pray in this new year so that the bondage of the enemy is broken in our country and justice rules. Are you with me? Next, in verse 7 of Isaiah 58, it says, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Jesus is saying there, when you're fasting, the money that you save or the food that you don't eat, give it to others and bless them. He's talking about meeting the social needs of His day. So when we fast, we're asking God, saying, God, we want people to be socially ministered to in our time. We want to see the needy and the poor help, Lord. We don't want to see anyone hungry. We don't want to see anyone without coats or anyone without clothing. Lord, we want to rise up and be the church and meet those needs. Speaking of that, Effie had a great testimony this, this week. She only had $100 to go to Three Bears. She was in line at Three Bears. And it was, she, the, the attendant there ran, ran up the bill and it was like $99.40, I think. And so she told her, stop, stop. She still had some more items there that would equal about $50. And she said, I don't have any more money, so just stop there. And the person behind her in line said, no, go ahead and get, give them to her and I'll pay it. That's what fasting does. Where the social needs will be met. And that's what God wants to do through us. Look at verse 8, and I'm almost done. Worship team, you can come. When your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. 
The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. There's several things that, that God, this is all in the context of prayer and fasting. And I want you to notice this. We fast for a breakthrough. Is there an area in your life where you need God to bring a breakthrough? Amen. Maybe it's in your marriage. Come on, church. I know it's a new year. I know it's cold out there. Stay with me. I'm almost done. This is good stuff. <laughs> you fast for a breakthrough. Do you need a breakthrough in your life, in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in your job? We fast, and God says, when you fast according to my directions, you are fasting for a breakthrough. The next thing he says, for fast healing. Do you need healing? It says fast for healing. Then it says for power to live righteously, to live in this new year with, with pornography everywhere and garbage and filth everywhere where we're exposed to it whether we like it or not. God says when you fast, you're going to live a righteous life. You're going to be empowered to live for me. Amen? And then he says that the glory of God will surround us. How many want God's glorious presence to be your rear guard, to surround your life, no matter what you're going through this year? Then pray and fast. That's what God says. This is why the Lord calls us to prayer and to fasting. I want to ask you, does anybody like to fast? I have never met anybody that could honestly say they love to fast. You can look at me and tell I don't love to fast. You can look at me and tell I love Rocky Road ice cream. But church, I'm going to start this new year and I'm going to lay aside the things that I love. And it's not just dieting. It's not just laying things aside. It's taking the time that you would spend in those things and spending it with God. Spending it with Him. That's His fast. Being in His presence. Having Him abide in you and you abide in Him. His Word in you. That's how we're going to see a unique year. That's how this year's not going to be the same old, same old. I'm believing God for marriages that are struggling to be restored. I'm believing God for those that are struggling financially to have new jobs or better jobs and, 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 and blessing of the Lord. I'm believing God for those that are struggling with health situations, that God's going to meet them miraculously. And I thank God for doctors. I thank God for nurses. But church, I know that God's Word says that He is the Lord that heals. So first of all, I'm going to turn to Jesus who says, I heal people. I'm the great physician. And I want to see God do that in this year. Amen? I want you to stand with me. I want our, our prayer team to, to make their way around the back of the auditorium and some across the front. And as we conclude the service today, if there's something in your life and you want to bring it to Jesus, you want to pray with somebody, it may not be for you, it may be for some of your friends or family, but you want to agree with somebody today in prayer, starting off this new year, I want to invite you to come forward and find one of our prayer team 
There's several around the back and several in the front. We're not going to take a long time. But church, we're, we're going to stop for just a moment. Because with all my heart, I believe this is the most important service or part of the service. As much as I love to worship, as much as I love to preach, when we stop and we invite people to come to Jesus, when He meets you, that's the most important part of the service. As the worship team begins to play, Jesus is simply bidding you to come. Will you come? Come to Him today. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, start off this new year making a commitment to Him. I believe there are those here today that probably want to recommit your life to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to start off right. Lord, I want this year to be greater in You than I've ever had before. Lord, I want to know You more intimately. Lord, help me, Lord, in this new year to enter into that holy of holies with You, that reverence with You. Lord, help me to experience You. Lord, that I can go and minister to the world. You may be here today and you may be struggling with some of the things we talked about earlier. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment. Your year isn't going to be a wonderful year if you cling on to those things. You need to let those things go. Amen. Let's come to Jesus today. Go ahead, man.